comes Milwaukee. Forbes another three. Oh, no! <laughs> this is the Random Screw Heat Podcast. Welcome to another episode of the Random Scrub Heat Podcast. I'm your host, as always, LJ Cascon. I have Harrison, I have George, and I have Alex Sheltman, not Bubba, the other Alex on the network. Thank you for joining us. It's been a little while since we've had you on, if my memory serves me well. But today, we are filming on the 4th of July, and it is all quiet on the Western Front, the Pacific northwestern front to be exact because damian lillard we haven't really gotten much news from him we haven't actually potted together since the news officially broke that damian lillard has requested a trade out of portland shocker literally even big shocker he requested specifically miami all of the dame mouthpieces have said it's miami or bust all of the portland mouthpieces mainly just Woj and any boston celtic media member on twitter has said otherwise has said that well you know they're listening to offers I just want to ask you guys real quick off the rip, and it's kind of rhetorical also, so you don't really have to answer if you don't want to, but if that's true, why haven't we heard any other teams come out with an offer? Because you've heard Miami's offer. If they're listening to other offers, you would have heard about that by now, right? Because that kind of insinuates that teams are very hesitant because they all know that Dame only really wants to play at Miami. Harry, how do you feel about the where things are kind of laying right now? Um, yeah, I, I think, uh, you know, what has this been three days, right? Um, I was pretty shocked that it came out. I didn't know if he was, if Dane was really going to ask for the trade. And then I was like, I didn't think he was going to say Miami or bus. So in terms of what the heat needed to happen, uh, for this to be a real possibility, it's gone exactly as they've wanted it to, to be. And so you kind of get the inkling that they knew about this. So, Sounds like there was some back channeling between either Bam and Dame or Jimmy and uh, and Dame as well, because for the Heat to really, we talked about it, right? For them to kind of take that back seat in the Beal deal and let let him kind of go to Phoenix, even if that's what he wanted, like to really not be aggressive in pursuing a player of his caliber. I think the Heat had to know something. So here we are, July fourth. Uh, we're two days away from the NBA free agent moratorium ending, and. I don't think there have been any other offers for Damian Lillard. I think teams are terrified of, it's not just an angry superstar. Uh, it, like uh, Damian Lillard is a class act. He's always been a very good uh, ambassador for the NBA. He, he's really not gotten into any trouble or anything else that you sometimes have with, with some of the NBA guys. And so he really like, he and and he and if the stories are correct, he kind of gave Portland another couple of years to figure this out. He was kind of thinking about asking out uh, before they hired Chauncey Billups, and he thought that would be. He kind of saw what Harden did to Houston with the new coach there, and he didn't want to do that to Portland, and so he gave them another couple of years to figure out moves to get uh, to get some players there and figure it out. And you know what? It's gotten him the Jeremy seventh Grant. overall. I was about to say the seventh overall pick last year, where they drafted Sharp. And now the third overall pick. And Dame is tired. And Dame's done. And I think this will happen with Miami. I haven't lost confidence yet. As long as Dame continues to put pressure that it's Miami or bus, I don't see why another team would put enough assets on the table um, for Joe Cronin to ruin his reputation as a GM, for Portland to just completely dismiss the – arguably one of the greatest players in Blazers history, right? It's him, Clyde Drexler, or Bill Walton, right? It's the three of them in whatever order you want. Dame's probably one. And people, I know the, all the Boston guys, I heard them this, uh, yesterday, they're saying, oh yeah, free agents don't go to Portland. So what are they really risking? You have two young guys who look like guys that you want to build around in Portland. One that we haven't even seen play NBA basketball yet. Don't you want them to be there for years? Do you want their free agency to come up and for them to think, you know what? They treated Dame with such disrespect. I'm just going to accept my low qualifying offer and enter unrestricted free agency next year. I'm not going to stay another second in this organization because if they can treat Dame like that after being there 11 years, what the hell are they going to do to me? And that's the part people are missing. It's, um, you know, it's franchise suicide to do something like that. He can talk a big game. He can have Woj come on ESPN every day and say that 
he'll trade him wherever he gets the best offer. He can have Ramona Shelburne go on ESPN and say, oh, yeah, the Spurs are interested. The Jazz have a package. Like, they can lie as much as they want. But Dame will get to Miami. The time frame is what we don't know and, and how how frustrating or obnoxious he makes it for fans, for the Heat, for Dame himself. We're not sure, but it'll happen eventually. Alex, I just want to toss it to you then. I was going to piggyback of what Harry said, but he said it so perfectly. It was like everything that I've been hearing that irritated me with the media so far was just, well, they're saying, you know, Dame has no leverage. Why Why does Portland have to oblige in helping him out? Well, Harry said it perfectly because you have a really good group of young guys on that team, and you want to show that example of they're, from the franchise perspective, there's really no loyalty because you're not getting a better, better loyalty example than what Dame has shown in his entire 11 year career there that, Hey, he's going to, you know, suck it up. He's going to do the betterment of the team and then get treated like this and get, and get shipped off to a hellscape like Detroit or somewhere. If they give the best offer or whatever it is, no, like it, it wouldn't make sense for them to do that. So there while, while Portland's front office does have leverage to say that Dame has none and they don't have to even remotely think about honoring his request is, is stupid. But Alex, how, how do you feel about the whole situation? Yeah, I think I think Harry nailed it. Honestly, um, the the two most important pieces, the two most important players watching this unfold are Scoot and Shaden Sharp. And Scoot, by all you know measures, seems to be this potential generational talent of a player um, who is someone. You know, I, I don't want to jump the gun and and get too early into projections, but by all accounts, this guy is going to be a multiple time all NBA type of player where he can be your franchise cornerstone for a decade or longer. And, and, you know, this is a guy that people look to in a draft class where it's like, okay, this guy has the potential to be a future hall of famer, even at the age of 18, regardless, because we've seen these hyped prospects come through time and time again, and then they can build off of that. And they, oftentimes do live up to the hype not you know not every time but oftentimes they do and for scoot to sit there and watch this unfold and, and see it drag out in the way it is i'm not in his head but it's gotta be you know it's gotta certainly stir some questions um for his beginning of his tenure as a portland trailblazer i did want to um touch on one particular quote that I saw yesterday, it was from Ryan Russillo. He said, uh, and it, it might have been the most ridiculous hypothetical that I had seen during this whole situation unfold. He said, there will not be an all-star caliber player that requests a trade in a few years that says, I was leaning LA or Miami, but I really liked the way Portland handled the damn situation. So I demand to become a trailblazer. You're right. No one's going to say that because that is an absurd hypothetical to even present. But the the main point and we've already talked about it the i demand to become a trailblazer is not i demand to become a trailblazer it's scoot saying i'm not going to stay a trailblazer he's going to decide against doubling down taking that you know second contract after his rookie contract is over if this gets too ugly and so for me i i think cronin as a gm has a lot on the line more than people think um, never in the modern NBA history have we seen a player of this caliber lose out on their I demand this destination request. Um, the only one I can really think of is Kawhi Leonard. And his situation was a little bit different because he had the one year left and the Raptors were kind of just like, all right, you know, we'll take the risk. We'll see. Uh, we'll talk about the contract after the season. We'll take that risk. They were the only ones willing to do that and no one else was re really willing to do that so um I, I really think like the blazers whether they like it or not need to get this resolved more quickly and of course as heat fans we would like that too um but you know you don't you don't want this to get ugly you you don't treat a franchise legend as poorly as this could potentially go i that's pretty well said as well. I mean, I have nothing else to really add on that. I want to hear from George though, specifically, who do you think George has holds more cards here? Do you think Dame or do you think Cronin? I think Dame does. Cause he, he, he's demanded so much respect over the years from his peers and from other teams. Look at the end of the day, it is the decision of the bases to make, but they're digging themselves a deep grave at the moment. And it's funny that Miami is the team to be involved in this. Cause Miami has firsthand experience seeing, 
in, a team in the upper echelon in terms of marketability and, and, and bigger market teams in, in South Florida, you don't mistreat your star player because it comes back to buy you. And we saw it firsthand with the, with the uh, Dwayne Wade situation when Pat Riley went back on his word, wouldn't pay him his money. He left to Chicago. Regardless of what you hear and what you say, other teams took notice. Other teams saw the fact that, that, that Miami doesn't pay their stars. This is the greatest player in your franchise's history, Dwayne Wade. You let him go to Chicago, then to the Cavs, came back to Miami in the end. And you're lucky that he came back because it wouldn't it would have been a, a bitter, bitter taste in the, in the mouths of Heat fans and, and fans all over the NBA universe if Dwayne Wade chose not to come back. And the way that he rectified that situation was by paying ridiculous contracts at the times to play the likes of James Johnson, Tyler Johnson, who who had a, a $40 million, uh, you know, back backloaded a contract from the Nets and had to match it. They gave Luol Deng his money. They gave, they've done, they did it for time and time again to prove to the NBA that he does, they, they do pay their players and they pay them well. The problem with what the Blazers are doing is I, I understand their position as well. They want the best package available for Dane. Miami, some, you know, has accumulated some young talent that they could send over, but they don't, it's not in the position which, in which they want. They don't want Tyler Hero. They already have Simons, Sharp. They have Scoot now. These players, are, they're all young guards, and they all, they all are the future of that franchise, and I get that. Now, silently, you could look for a third team to acquire Tyler Hero to get those picks, to get the, you know, the young assets that you're looking for. But you've gone about it in such a way that, like Harry said, like Alex has said, you, you've made it look to the NBA and to your own players that you don't care. This player stayed in the small in your small market for 10 years and gave him everything. Gave, he gave you everything. And you built around him with the likes of Robin Lopez at the start. Then he then they gave him Alpha Rukaminu. Then you you you've put around CJ, you know, you got CJ McCollum, you traded him away, he's his best friend, and did nothing. You've done nothing for him as a team. To, to, to help him win. So, and he gave you chance after chance after chance. Now you treat him like this. It's not a good look. And like and like the other the others have alluded to, when it comes to free agency and, and those players, this is a lasting memory. This is, is this really an organization that has my best interest at heart? Probably not. Probably not. And it's just, it, you have to pr- approach that with such caution because when a player comes around, you know, even if Scoot is that level, elite level playmaker that, like you guys are talking about, even if Shaden Sharp does develop and, and becomes a good player, you know, and, and, and so on and so forth, who's going to want to join them? It, it, they're going to have to do contract demands all over again, you know. I'll, I'll leave if you don't get me this player. They're going to be like, why would I come there? And the Blazers have this ridiculous argument saying we couldn't attract free agents anyway. So, what you know, what have we got to lose? You've got a, 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 a f- like an f- entire franchise to worry about and the future of that franchise to worry about. So do right by him. Send him where he wants to go. You've already made a messy try. It's just damage control at this point. You made a really good point too. I'll let Harry jump in as well. But when you talked about people not thinking that this this image that they're lasting out by, by not giving – like doing what Dame wants them to do hurts their image. People saying that, that that's not a thing. You alluded to it with Miami. When they mistreated Dwayne Wade, they struggled to get Gordon Hayward in free agency. Gordon Hayward looked at them, the Miami Heat, and said, eh, I kind of want Boston. And he went to Boston instead for similar contract offers. Remember, they told Dwayne Wade to kick rocks so they could have the meeting with Gordon Hayward. The Kevin Durant one is understandable, right? Like, it's like, Okay, Kevin Durant was in his own little world. He wanted to go join a massive super team. You can't really knock the heat on not being able to compete with that particular instance of Kevin Durant. But Gordon Hayward, you got to be in the room. You got to be able to convince Gordon Hayward. But they didn't because the message was out that they didn't pay their players. They treated their all-star historical figures poorly. And that's what it got you. So if Miami can be looked at in that negative light, I mean, and there's this supposed amazing destination for free agents. That can't be good for Portland. But before I wanted to get to Harry, something that just really irked me as well was the whole Tyler Hero thing. It's kind of like the the big brother, little brother thing. Like, hey, don't talk shit. Only, only I 
can talk shit about my little brother. You don't get to because seeing all the all the the Blazers and the Nets, less so the Nets, the Nets fan base actually was kind of enthusiastic about Tyler joining. But then everyone from third party, you know, people that have nothing to do with the trades and Portland fans are saying, look, we have no interest in Tyler Hero. Tyler's a horrible player. We have we want nothing to do with him. He's shit. And it's like, no, he's not. You've seen the contracts that some players are signing now. The the contract Tyler's currently on is decent like it's not a terrible contract tyler is a 20 points per game scorer sure on a a lot of volume and he's not extremely efficient he has a lot of room to grow he's 23 scoring 20 a game i know that's not like the the early 2000s 20 a game it's not as impressive but seeing other people disvalue tyler to this extent because it's a funny thing to do is irritating because it's like yeah we all trash him we all rip on him but it's it, it's kind of, it's because we love him. But at the same point, it, it was justified in what the offense needed, and Tyler wasn't able to give that to our team. But he's still a good player, so I don't I, seeing saying seeing Portland say we have no interest. Like Tyler doesn't doesn't do anything for us. Like the dude's a good player, man. Like we need to slow down with the over exaggeration of what Tyler Hero is. And I I don't want to sound like some other people that may consume a lot of alcohol and and love Tyler Hero, but I just, I I just, I I, I can't find a way to, to, to to justify some of the slander that he's getting because some of it's justified, but from other fan bases, it pisses me off. Tyler, Harry, what, what do you have to say? Um, you know, I like that you you went off on a little uh, soliloquy there, but I was going to say that uh, I thought there was a good clip yesterday. I don't watch the show at all, but um, I feel like Nick Wright's been on the money a lot recently when I get when a clip comes online. He seems to – at least I think he respects the Heat. I don't know where, like – you know, I think he kind of understands – he kind of understands what the Heat do and how that works out. So there was basically a clip, and obviously he's talking to Broussard who can't rub two brain cells together. But uh he was trying to he was trying to tell him like, hey, listen, where did Anthony Davis want to go? He wanted to go to the Lakers. That's where he went. Where did Harden want to go twice? He got he went to both his destinations. Um, you know, a lot of these guys without no trade clauses have gotten where they want to go. That's just the way the NBA is these days. Um, you know, it's for Dame to have done this. Obviously, for us, we didn't expect him to say Miami only, but I, it's why I think he'll get his way eventually. Um, you know, Cronin can be annoyed. He can be frustrated. Um, Dame kind of took a lot of leverage away from any negotiations that they they had. I don't. I can't imagine anyone's going to um, really blow the Heat's water. Uh, sorry, the Heat's offer out of the water. You know, if they keep talking. ESPN really wants them to go to Philly or Boston. I mean, let's be real, guys. Whether you whether you think Maxi or Hero. Um, or, you know, whoever's better, it's it's the same issue. Why why is Portland take like they're similar players who play similar positions who are small guards who don't defend especially well? You know, what why is Portland going after Maxi just because he's in Philly? It's the same issue. They need a third team. And until Boston's willing to put uh you know Jalen Brown to a third team, because why would Portland get him? He's not gonna stay in Portland long term. It's they're all the same issues, like there's no there's no one-on-one trade no uh one-on-one trade that makes sense for Portland. Uh no one is throwing a ton of assets at them. I mean maybe Danny Ainge is calling them bugging every day saying, "Oh my gosh, we'll take, you know, we'll take Dame in Utah uh, in Utah. Here's all, you know, here's six picks." But if Damian Lillard doesn't want to go to Utah, it doesn't matter. And you know, I heard yesterday Broussard was kind of like, "Well, he's a professional." Um, you know, I don't think Dame would sit out. I don't think he threatened retirement. I don't think he'd do those things. And listen, maybe that's true. Maybe they get a good offer. Maybe they send Dame somewhere, and maybe he does play it out, and it's and it's okay. But if they lose and he asks out next summer, or or he goes somewhere and he starts playing and he doesn't like what's going on over there, and he asks, and, and six months down the road at the trade deadline, he's like, "Send me to Miami. That's what I wanted." What team is taking that risk? That's such stupid. It's stupid asset management. It is. Um, it's ignoring warnings when, like, he's telling you he doesn't want to be where where you're going to send him. So why would why as a franchise would you take that risk? If he was cheap, obviously, like if they were just if they were like, we're not sending him to Miami. Give us another offer. We'll do it. Of course, you'll take the risk, right? If it was if it was a couple expiring contracts, but that's not what they want. They want the absolute best offer. 
And I just think we're at a point where this could take a, a while. I mean, obviously, we're all hoping this is resolved in a week and we can laugh about it and we can make fun of Cronin and we can really make fun of all these Boston writers on the ringer because they we're going to do that either way. Yeah. But, you know, if it takes a little while to get this done, that's OK. Um, the Heat aren't in a rush. I know people were like annoyed yesterday that there was an article that came out that basically some of these minimum guys, the Heat are in a holding pattern. You know, Malik Beasley is not changing anything. Um, I know that there's rumors that Dario Saric might be interested. Great, I'll take him if he decides to go elsewhere because he can't wait. No big deal. To be honest with you, um, some of these summer league guys are looking really good, and I don't know if they're going to translate into uh, end-of-the-bench roster spots or two-way guys, but I wouldn't be too mad with some of the guys that I was watching yesterday. So. I think the Heat can be patient and probably at this point should be patient. It's kind of going their way. They they just have to take a deep breath and it, it'll work itself out. Yeah, I did want to um, jump in on one note here because it's. I, I think it's really easy to you know, put most of the blame on the Portland front office because I, I agree with that myself, but I don't want to let the Heat front office or Pat Riley or Mickey or Andy or any of these guys get off scot-free. I do think um, the onus is on them to get the trade done ultimately at the end of the day. I know there's going to be certain um, things that are going to go on with this trade where maybe you're not going to get the perfect deal, but at the end of the you know at the end of this saga they need to be able to get the guy here um and if that means taking on some potentially you know interesting players in that notion um i think they need to you know consider pulling the trigger and it's funny that you say that because the newest little nugget of information that fell out of the the pipeline today was a, a funny little character named Ben Simmons and the trade might be getting halted up because whether or not Miami should take back a Ben Simmons in this contract, we're a little split here on the panel. At least I know one of us feels one way and multiple might feel a different way. I'll let everyone allude to themselves and kind of talk about where they stand on the instance. But I, for one, if that's what's holding it up truly, and if that's what gets the, the, the red light in Portland to turn green, I take Ben Simmons. I really do. I know he's owed a shit ton of money. I know he's unreliable. I know he doesn't like basketball. Everything that he is the antithesis of, Damian Lillard is the exact opposite. If it means I get Damian Lillard on my roster, and just by contracts matching up as well, to get Ben Simmons to pull him back, you'd also, you would keep Jovic, you would keep Triple J, or Juan Wick, or uh, Kylo Bien, whichever name you want, whatever one you really, really love. You could choose any of them. The dude actually, we'll, we'll talk about him in a little bit too, because that dude balled out in his first summer league game, but I'm getting ahead of myself. If it means you get to keep them just from a contract perspective of taking back Ben Simmons, it means you're sending out Caleb. And that's that that has been a sticking point that people have talked about, that Miami didn't want to do that. I don't know at this point. I did not expect Jovic to look the way he looked. I did not expect uh, Jame Jaquez to look the way he looked. So maybe they're further along than we all, than we all originally anticipated. I'm okay with letting go of Caleb at this point if that means you would take back a Ben Simmons. You get to keep both young rookies on longer contracts than Caleb, who's 29, is going to be getting, wanting his money after this next season anyway that you're not going to be able to pay. You won't be able to retain Caleb Martin after this next season anyway if you go get damn and you're owed all that money. In my opinion, I don't think, I think he'd be asking for too much because I think being what would he be, the fourth offensive option with a team with Dame, he's going to eat. He, he's going to do it. He's going to have a great season at that point. He'll play out of your price range. I say, be pre proactive, which this front office, you can make the argument they haven't exactly been in recent memory. They haven't exactly been proactive with their assets and maybe they hang on a little too long and aren't able to get uh, right value back for those players. I know Harry's nodding his head because I'm finally saying something he agrees with. I, you know, I'll just throw it to Harry right there. How do you feel about Ben Simmons? Because I, for one, I, if that's what's holding it up, I'm okay with taking him back. I hate Ben Simmons. I... Remember when when they were talking about the, whether they should build around uh, Embiid or Simmons? And I have a tweet. I have to find it somewhere. Where I basically said the moment they sign Simmons to this contract, it's going to be hell. And it was really bad for them. They were very lucky, actually, that they were that they were able to. For some reason, I don't know why the Nets were interested in doing that, but 
they were lucky that they were able to get off that contract because not only has Simmons really struggled in the last couple of years um, since the last time he was an all-star, uh, he's been really hurt. So you basically have a guy who seems to – and the complaints for Simmons coming out of LSU, and George will talk about him more. You know, obviously he's um, – he had some history with Australian – or, or not. Um, no, George, you will be talking about him. We're putting you know, him in a You will be talking about him. His his scouting report from LSU was that they weren't sure if this guy cared. That's always that's the same thing. Nothing's changed. They used to show all the videos, the highlights of Ben Simmons over the summer working out. Listen, he's never gotten better. He's never gotten better. He had he he's a very very skilled guy. He was always a very good defender. I think he was a bit overrated for what he could do. And then whatever happened to him in that Hawk series changed the trajectory. Trajectory of his career. I don't know what happened. I don't know if he just mentally gave up. That guy's done. So if you say to me, the Heat have to take Ben Simmons, one, that's just not a true statement. There's no way they have to do it. If you're saying they have to do it in order to avoid giving up other things, I also don't think that's true. If the Nets want to get rid of him, they have to pay up. He is basically a guy who, who does not play basketball anymore. And he's got close to $80 million remaining on his deal in the next two years. If the Nets want to dump him, that's a couple picks. And if and if that's what it's going to take to dump him, find a bad team to do that. Like find a Spurs, find a uh find a OKC. You know, if I was Portland, I would do it. I'm not gonna be good in the next couple of years. Like because here's my thing: if you take in that contract. When, when you need to make a big deal next year, you have a huge expiring plus the picture you're going to add. Like the deal's there to be made. For the Heat, that's rough. We've talked about having all these tough contracts on the book, taking up a bunch of your cap. I don't know why they would put themselves in that situation again. And even if you thought, even if you could convince me, which you cannot, you cannot convince me, there's no way, that Spo could fix Simmons, that he could, he could be, he can come back to being a decent defender, that in an offense with space, you know, he can go back to the guy that was pretty good at getting to the basket. There's no guarantee his back's going to hold up. There's no guarantee his health is going to be there. And that's such a stupid risk for a team that's, that you, if you're going in on Dame, and you want to, we will, we will have this argument so much if this happens, but the championship or bust mindset, like if you're trading for Dame, you have to win a championship, have to, have to, have to, if you don't failure. You don't want $37 million of your cap in this guy. Uh, you are better off giving up one of these rookies. You're better off giving up an extra pick. You're better off sacrificing those guys than you are taking in that person. Think about what $37 million can do for the Heat if, if essentially if that could go towards the team. Think of three guys that you like that, that would work better than Ben Simmons because that's what you're essentially – asking me to come on board with and I'm not getting on that ship. That thing's going to sink and I don't want to be part of uh, a part of that. It's probably the hopeless romantic in me that thinks that I can fix him. Once, once he gets into my, my organization, I, I feel like I can fix him. Me being Eric Spolstra. I know that 37 million is a lot and you can, you can fill a lot of holes that they'll presumably have, but I'm not too keen on giving up either of the rookies, but I want to see what George has to say mainly about uh, Mr. Australian's finest. I watched him play when he was down here. He's a phenomenal player when he's heads in the game. There's a massive uh, mental barrier with him that comes and has been there with him since, since his um, stint in Philadelphia. But I want to recite something. It is from the Australian National Anthem, uh, Advanced Australian Fair. Australians, all let us rejoice, for we are young and free. We've golden soil and wealth for toil, and our home is girt by sea. You know what else is girt by sea? Florida. And this could be his new home. And then it says, beneath our radiant southern cross, we'll toil with hearts and hands to make his back feel okay again. That is in the actual Australian anthem, okay? I've just made a little bit of a, a change. We can help him. If we can't help him, then he is helpless. He's finished. There's no, There is no better system for taking players who were damaged goods and trying to make them better again. We tried and we failed with some, the Maris, the Maris, uh, Maris Adamires, the Danny Rangers. We've tried 
we had failed. But there's also been some amazing success, success stories as well. Joe Johnson gave you some of his best. Wayne Ellington was serially un- unhealthy. I say some of his best. Okay, Joe Johnson, that, that might be a little bit of a stretch. He played okay. He did play okay. The Wayne Ellington did okay. Um, and these types of players, you know, aren't the same as the Ben Simmons. There's a lot more going on there. But you know what? Maybe the warm weather could help him out a little bit as well. I am not adverse to having them on the team, in a sense, because if if you can get it right, you have a phenomenal athlete on your team who has great facilitation, has a you know has a decent bag getting to the rim, has no jump shot whatsoever. Let's just kick that right out the door straight away. But you could try and do something. Now the contract is probably the least of my worries. At the end of the day, you're already paying. Cole Lowry, 30 plus million to be on your team now. 30 plus million. Your Ben Simmons has two years left, and his last year is on an expiring deal at 40 million. I don't see a problem with that. The end of the day, he's an expiring contract. It's 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 during the the Dame contract duration as well. So if that doesn't work out and Dame leaves, which he probably will after the, the stint in Miami, hopefully he doesn't, but you know, that's a conversation for another day depending on if he gets here or not then that money comes off the books in two years there's no worries i don't if will if mickey is willing to pay the tax then that should be if that's really what's holding up the deal right now which i think it is a major factor trying to get the nets to 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 get off that contract because when are they ever going to have a better better chance to do that than now it won't be another trade down the road where they can do this so why wouldn't they look for it and if miami's the place miami's the place he's been in rehab for how long 15 months. It's been around been about that. If he can get back to anything sort of healthy, I would take that on my team. And I mean, it, you, you said it really well just there at the end too, is it, it's a massive gamble on his health, but you should never gamble on your health. You should always have some really, really good insurance in your back corners. Exactly what you should be doing. Ben Simmons, take notes, my friend. Take notes and contact Simple Health Advisors, a primary sponsor of The Basement. Insurance doesn't need to be complicated, Ben. Email them or give them a call today and tell them that The Basement sent you. Email our boy, J-P-U-P-O-U-G-H, at simplehealthadvisors.com. Give them a ring at 321-345-7738. Harry, I apologize for dropping that right on you out of the complete blue. It just came to me, so I had to roll with it. Speaking of what I touched on as well, meaning mainly if you were to take him back, you would keep some two rookies that I want to talk about now, mainly the entire summer league roster, which looked like it was the second coming of the 96 bulls against the Los Angeles Lakers. We've seen stuff like this in Miami before, right? We saw it with Gabe Vincent and Max Struess on that and Yurtsevin on that summer league roster just a couple of years ago, go a little back further than that. About four years ago, you saw it with Kendrick Nunn. You saw it with Duncan Robinson. You saw it with Tyler hero. Now you have Jame Jaquez, you got Nikola Jovic, and then you have literally anybody else can be that third guy because everyone played really well. I'll, I'll even honestly, I'll give credit to Orlando Robinson, who was stretching the floor. I still think his hands are horrible. I think he has no, no business being in the painted area for someone of his height. It makes no sense. He should be better. He needs to, he needs to beef up a little bit because that dude's getting rocked around. Absolutely just milli rocked down low. But he, he stretched the floor, and that's kind of what we need out of a, a BAM replacement anyway in case an injury happens. But I want to hear what you guys have to say about both of those players, mainly Jovic and, and, and Hame, because they, they looked great. Did they not? Like, Harry, how did, how did you feel? Were you more impressed with Jovic in his second year or Triple J in his first actual action? Uh, so I was actually more impressed with Jaime because I decided to make dinner last night, and so I was trying to, like, cook and watch the game. And then at some point, um, you know, I started on Twitter. Everyone was like, oh, this guy, he's way over his head because the start for Jaime was not great. Uh, but he settled down a bit, and the second quarter was really impressive. Um, I don't know how this guy got dubbed as not athletic. Um, he was moving, man. Especially, uh, I liked even beginning when he was struggling. I thought he was moving his feet well defensively. I know he got called for fouls early, and there's 10 fouls in summer league, whatever. I like that part of his game. I thought he was active. And then he started figuring out on offense and you were like, okay, this guy's like a, he's a point forward. I mean, he, he can move the ball. The ball movement was great. There was one play where like 
four guys touched him, and then he got a nice little cut. He cut along the baseline and had a nice little move. Um, he had two pretty, he had one nasty dunk, and then another one, it was a give and go. Um, so my friend, who's a high school basketball coach, the night we drafted him, and you guys know I was not happy. We talked about this. He said, listen, this guy's a hooper. He can play ball. Like, it's not – don't worry about the age. Don't worry about the fact that he was at UCLA for four years. Don't worry about the three-point shooting. He, he's fixed that. I was impressed. The corner three looked good, too. So um, they were both equally imp- equally impressive to me. I liked kind of his game a little bit more um, just because I thought Jovic was a little bit like – there were times where I just felt like he was a bull in a china shop. Like he was just realizing he's strong and get to the basket at will and was kind of just going, going, going. But both really talented. And uh, so, yeah, uh, Jaime, a little more impressive for me in his first summer league action. But I'm sure you guys will say Jovic and we'll both be right. Uh, I want to talk about a guy a little bit later, so come back to me after everyone has a, a say. You got it. Also, hand up. Um, George or Harry was talking about me. Um, I'm the one that was spreading uh, the misinformation that Hame was not athletic. Um, hand up, you know. I uh, I'm, I'm going to eat this one right on the chin. I said he. I, I said in his highlights, I thought I thought he looked slow. I thought he was unathletic. I was not aware that his vertical leap in the NBA Combine directly uh, misproved my my misinformation. So you know, a real man admits when he was wrong, and uh, I was I was blatantly wrong. He looks very athletic. Which is weird because even when he's dunking on people, it doesn't look like he's jumping out of the building, yet he is jumping out of the building. So it's unsuspecting. It's like the one time you can say a non-white person has unsuspecting athleticism, and he has that. So it's exactly what what I really wanted to see is exactly what I saw. So I'm very impressed with both of them. Alex, how do you feel as a whole about this team so far? I know we're just one game in, but how, how do you feel right now? Yeah, so not to rewind or anything, but I saw the the Ben Simmons trade report floated at like 9 a.m. And then a few hours later, I saw the the summer league game. And my initial my initial gut reaction when I saw the Ben thing was absolutely no. Fuck no. Do not want that. Um, And then I saw this summer league game. And when when the wheels started turning a bit, when people were floating that, oh, you know, if a Simmons acquisition allows us to keep, you know, our two young players, that's when it started to interest me a little bit more. So I don't want to go back to the Simmons thing. I think we've talked about that enough. Um, but but that seeing these guys in the summer league game was sort of um, bringing me around to that idea as a whole because of what I was watching. I thought um, the progression from Jovic was just phenomenal. Um, we all saw what he could do from some of his European highlights um, prior to the draft. And the, the sticking point was just he was so young. He had to bulk up to play against these larger NBA bodies. Uh, and it seems like he did that. It seems like he put on 20 to 30 pounds of muscle, potentially. That guy, I swear, he started looking like Jokic out there in terms of his arms. Uh, they were very comparable. Um, not going to go too much into detail there. But just the way he he was running the floor maybe it wasn't like explosive or quick but the decision making was very quick sound um you know he he showed his ability with like the gather dribble where he he had the end one layup um you know he he had a lob for a, a dunk uh he he's just playing he was playing very smart basketball and so for a 20 year old to do that it's it's invaluable it's it's almost you know it's almost the most important progression in his game because some of these things you cannot teach these young players and it seems like don't want to jump the gun after one summer league game but it seems like he learned a lot of that over the course of you know working out with the team throughout the year and you know getting the reps um in between you know his back injury um as for for jaime uh i was not happy about the draft pick either (laughs) um I wanted to get Cam Whitmore. Uh, I think a lot of us did. Uh, but I also recognize the ability that a four-year starter um, coming into the league at 22 usually is going to look the most NBA-ready out of the gate. Um, I do think we saw that. I was a little nervous at first. Uh, I think he missed like three of his first four shots or something like that, and it was not pretty. Um, 
and then he really turned it on and started going, you know, crazy from then on out. So I'm glad that he sort of settled in after those opening nerves. Uh, I, I just, I want to see both of them build on that. And, and if these guys can be, you know, potential, um, trade chips for whether it's the Dame trade, whether it's any trade to improve the roster in the future, or if they feel, if they feel like these, these can be building blocks to progress past the rookie contract, I'm all for it either way. I mean, we're only one summer league game in, but I, I was very, very happy with what I saw when I had very, very low expectations going in. George, how about you? Do you feel one way or the other over Jovic compared to, uh, to Hame? I think you're watching Tyler Hero highlights when you're trying to search up, uh, uh, what's his name? Sorry. Uh, I call him triple J now. I call him triple J instead of Juan Wick or, or whatever you guys, the kids these days are calling him. I'm going to call him Triple J. It's just easier for me. Um, watching him play and watching the step that he, both he and Jovic have taken was also enticing me to take that Ben Simmons offer as well. If you can get Ben Simmons in, then also, like, if that's a sticking point and then somehow you can keep one or even both of these prospects, you do it. You do it because they looked NBA ready. They looked future proof. They looked incredible. And that's one offseason for Nikola Jovic. One. One season of development and one offseason. That, that's it. And if you look at someone like that now and say, you know what, that doesn't give you hope for the future, I don't know what will. I really, I don't know what will. Watching Hame go up there and, and just yam it twice. And then there was others as well. There was others as well. The entire game was perfect. We looked like the most NBA-ready summer league team, ready to poise to win a chip in, in, in this year as well. And when last year was Max Struess, you know, providing the goods and, and coming off the bench and being electric, it was now it's Nikola Jovic and people like Hame. And I don't know if, like I said, I, I would feel uncomfortable as anyone should trade away young pieces to go to get someone like Dame as well. Like at, at the end of the day, the consolation prize is Dame. So it, it is what it is. You get rid of Hame, you get rid of Jovic, you've got Damian Lillard. That's a great, a great consolation prize in itself, but you'd want to keep them as I'd want to keep them. And if that means paying more tax, getting Ben Simmons, trying to coach him up, taking him off the bench, I would do it instantly, instantly. But Hame had the third highest vertical in any one of these draft class, anyone. And you saw it. It was the first thing I saw. He, his leap is incredible. His, his tenacity getting to the, to the rim, he's, Offensive, you know, offensive rebounding, like, sorry, just his rebounding in general was was good. Was good. You can slide him into any rotation as well. He's He could play anywhere from the two to the four. I, I feel, I, I genuinely believe that. He's got some shooting to work on as well. His form's nice, which means that it's going to be an easier job for his transition, his jump shot, jump shot to transition to the NBA. And that's what I'm liking about him. With Nikola Jovic, what I really like is his, Ability to get to the rim and then also finish. But like he's so tall now. He's got so much so much muscle that is built on that it looks like if he had just that more development now, a little bit more, you know, time in the weight room, he could be a proper, proper stretch for someone beyond what Cam, like a Cam Johnson or something like that. Like I, I feel like he could be special. But that's it. Look, at the end of the day, it is just summer league, maybe reading into it too much. Been without heat basketball for about a month now, so it's it's nice to watch you know, watch us play again. Also, right before I throw it to Harry, I just wanted to say, isn't it kind of crazy what happens when you have uh, first round picks? When when you have players with first round talent, it's almost like you don't really have to have them develop for three or four years. You let them develop for one. Sometimes, if you get an older player out of college like Hame, they're ready to go right out the box. I, I don't know. So, something's in the water here with the Heat using first-round picks to get actual talented players. It, it's looking really, really good. But, Harry, you, what was the player that you wanted to specifically look at? So when you're watching these games, right, I think George made a good point to say, you know, it's summer league and it's one game. and so. But I think you look for guys that, that don't belong on the court and in a good way, right? So guys that just like, okay, they don't, they don't need to be in summer league. Like they're better than the competition. So yesterday that was Jovic. That was JJJ. Um, 
I know you're. I know it's not your guy, uh, LJ, but I did think Orlando Robinson looked like a guy who didn't need to be out there. Like he, he looked good yesterday, and the the three was. I mean, I don't remember him shooting a lot of threes. The stroke was good. So those are the three guys that I was like, okay, cool. The other guy that I thought looked great, and then I started doing a deep dive on him, and I think we need to sign him immediately. Is Chase Audige from Northwestern? Uh, I don't know how this guy was not drafted. He's a menace defensively, like just some of the some of the work he was doing, moving his feet, getting in guys' face. Um, you know, he was he was really uh, he was excellent. He had a good good looking shot. There was one. There was a time where he made the three, then got the steal, then it led to a dunk. Um, I think that guy's got to at least get a two way spot. They need to drop Drew Smith immediately i don't understand why he keeps coming back i thought he was gone whenever i forgot who signed him last year but i don't get his game at all i know that he's maybe they're always looking for that like microwave score first guard but no one plays well when he's out there he's a ball hog and i'm really hoping that maybe maybe they signed him just to give him some extra money and then they're going to cut him because he should not be back on the team um so i think that's the guy i really like and, uh, you know, we'll, we'll see what happens from there, but I would be disappointed if someone else scooped him up and the other guy I liked, I forgot his, I forgot his first name, but I, I thought I like, I saw, I liked what I saw a little bit from funk, uh, out of Utah state. I think he's, he's good too. So, you know, we'll, we'll see, we'll see what happens, but chase Audige, he got to figure that out. And, uh, uh, Alex, I think you wanted to say something too after that. Yeah, not related too much to summer league or or um, you know any of the guys you mentioned. I do I do agree with the Audige uh, thing. You know, a two way is definitely something that I could see um, getting on board with, and and it's pretty low risk. So I'm with you there. But I did want to take um, about a minute of of this pod's time. Um, if anyone follows me on Twitter, if anyone has interacted with me, um, you will know that uh, we we unfortunately lost out on a great potential acquisition uh, over the last week. Um, Monty Morris was traded to the Detroit Pistons uh, for a second round pick, um, and I just wanted to you know give a, a few few moments here to uh, grieve and mourn my my loss here for a free agent or not a free agent, uh, an acquisition that we could have had on this team. Um, I will say that once that trade went through, I was heartbroken. Uh, it, it, it made me spiral into a instant depression, unfortunately. Um, and for such a cheap cost, uh, it, it just, it just stung all that much more. And, and I was going back and looking and, uh, it, it, it began to set in and really, really take a toll on my mental health when I realized that we attached a second round pick for Dwayne Dedman to trade him off the roster, which could have been used to acquire Monty Morris. Um, so just wanted to plug that in for, you know, a minute here. Um, Monty, if you're, if you're ever considering Miami in the future, if you're ever listening to this podcast, I will be your, your number one fan. If you're ever in a heat uniform. I want to add as well that we do not need Monte Morris. We do not need him, even if we we are to acquire Dame. We have the man. All right. Thank you, everyone, man. for turning into the pod. We're wrapping the up. The legend. I was Jamare just about to say. We made it 48 minutes without this. Shut your mouths. Let me go for a second. I have this. I have it. These are the players I'd bring back. You know, like this summer league, the roster involves the changes. You know, people get dropped. People get cut. Nikola Jovic, Orlando Robertson, who I thought was just going to be like another Jordan Mickey type of player where he just comes out and does absolutely nothing. But he's developed nicely. Bring him back. Hame, obviously. Jamare Bouye, Chase, and obviously Jamal Kane. And when we actually get to see him, I just think that they're holding out, not showing to Portland that he's actually a viable piece that you can uh, you can acquire. I think he's actually developed a lot. I've heard some really good things about Jamal. But um, look, you can't have the success... That, Yoki, that Jovic had or that Hama had if Jamara Bouye wasn't the facilitator, the defensive presence, the guard himself. He is the guard god. I am dubbing him that. 
and he deserves a two-way spot on this team. He deserves it. Him and Chase should be the the these two guard, you know, the two guard two-way contracts. I need this. I, I don't think you're going to have much trouble uh, dubbing him the, the guard guy because I don't think anybody's going to fight you on that. I don't think anyone else wants wants to to watch enough Jamari Bouye to figure that out, even though he Trade did look Mark. okay. He did I've look okay. He was, about he was nine good. months now. Nine months I've been on this train. I watched him in Summer League last year. I watched him. Oh, you've, you've been riding him for nine months, George. I know it. <laughs> you're disgusting. This is a player that deserves a shot. He deserves a chance, and he had nothing but good showings when he was signed on that 10-day deal midseason. He played really well. He played, he played horrible. He didn't play just, horrible Just when I thought George was moving away from the undrafted free agents, he, had a 97 he gets roped right back in. While on the floor. 97 defensive rating. It was probably because he played in the last two minutes of every game, but that doesn't matter. He a nice, he, he, he's, a, he's a good on-ball threat. He, he can score. He just needs the time to, to, to be able to learn and to develop like we have with others. But Jamar Bouye uh, could be one of those players that, that comes in and we expect nothing and does something for us. If but he Chase can attack the rim player. the way that that hairline attacks his head, then he's going to be just fine. <laughs> I think take a, take a note from Derek White's book and just get rid of it. Get it off. That was the most shocking thing yesterday. I mean, not, not that everyone played well, but his hairline got terrible in a year. How does that even happen? It looks like a short line. <laughs> My God. It was, I will I mean, say if, if Jamar Bouye can come in and be uh, the fourth point guard off the bench and 15th person on this roster um, where he plays less than five minutes per game every single game, I am completely on board with you, George. Jamar, if you are listening to this by the small chance, we will tag you in this as well in the show. You do not have a Twitter, but we will find a way. Please, please make your long-awaited appearance on the Random Script Heat podcast. You deserve your chance in the sun, and you can do it here with Harry, with LJ, and we're kicking out Alex Sheldman just to make room for you. All right, we'll we'll get Detective Aussie George on the case to find a way to tag Jamari Bouye into this. George, that's your you you live on the other side of the globe, so it's still earlier in the day for you, so you can still try to figure out a way to make that work. I was going to close the show by saying, "Hey, we made it 48 minutes without George talking about Jamari Bouye." We're good. Let's close right now before this moron has an opportunity to speak. But we lost it. So I apologize to all of our listeners. We, we went probably four minutes too long. Sad stuff. But thank you guys so much for tuning in, spending some time with your favorite random scrubs. As always, take care and be good people. Need a stop and a rebound. For you. For three. Oh, my. That was the Random Scrub Heat Podcast. 